either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry. You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Are we on? Is this thing on? <laughs> is it working? <laughs> it is working. Welcome back. Uh, so sorry we missed it last week. We hadn't planned on that, no. but uh, equipment was not our friend last week. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we're from MadWolf.com. Yeah, we've had some brand new, a totally brand new console here in the studio where we record this. And it's very nice. Parts of it look like the Starship Enterprise in Indeed. here. But it's been a little buggy. There's been some things to work out, and we got in here to record yesterday, or not yesterday, last uh, last week, and just nothing, no mic, no microphones at all. We nope. weren't, nothing was working, so we had to punt. And uh, really, the last couple of uh, weeks, we haven't been able to get uh, the schlocketeer on the line either, but we did this week, That's so right. we're feeling good. It's all back to normal, and perfect timing, too, because we've got... At least one big blockbuster to talk about. And, of course, we got to preview the Oscars. That's right. Coming up soon. So back just in time. So speaking of that uh, big blockbuster, let's check it out. Paul Atreides unites with Chani and the Freeman while seeking revenge against the conspirators who destroyed his family. Got to be Dune Part 2. I see possible futures all at once. And in so many futures, our enemies prevail. I do see a way. There is a narrow way through. My allegiance is to you. Do you believe me? This is a form of power that our world has not yet seen. The ultimate power. I want you to know I will love you as long as I breathe. You will never lose me as long as you stay who you are. Consider what you're about to do, Paul Atreides. Silence! is how they enslave us! You are not prepared for what is to come. I think we should just fess up right now. We are two of the very few people who did not particularly care for Dune Part 1. Not that we hated it or anything, but we just thought it was... Uh, it didn't feel like a standalone film. Yeah, we did. We weren't fans of the storytelling, although we did appreciate the vision. Oh yeah, it was gorgeous. The look of it. Yeah. I mean, we were big fans of Denis Villeneuve. Did I do? Did I get that right? I think you ah, did. Yeah. yeah, it looked great. The world building was fantastic, as it is in part two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the storytelling. I think we both thought the storytelling in part one just just didn't didn't work for us. It was and, uh, all exposition. It was no action. Right. And, and when it ended, you didn't feel like you'd seen a film. And you I didn't, felt like I, you saw a preamble. I really didn't film. think any of the stakes that we were supposed to get invested in were, were earned to me. Right. And of course, we're not, we didn't read the book and no. we're not longtime books. fans of yeah. uh, the books. Um, but uh, yeah, it didn't, didn't really work. But happily, much better this time. Oh, we really, really, enjoyed, really yeah. enjoyed part two. I think this is going to satisfy both just the, the casual fans mm-hmm. and the longtime fans of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, yeah, this was really ups the, ups the ante in storytelling while keeping that visual mastery that we've come to expect from him. And it, it really works on, 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 on several levels. And you're right, this one feels like a standalone film, even though we pretty much know 
that there is going to be another another installment. Yes. I mean, the, the how it how this movie ends up, it's clear there's more coming. But like you said, you still feel like you've seen a complete a complete story. Yeah. You know, in the way that if you watch each of the Lord of the Rings films, not The Hobbit, The Lord of the Rings, or if you watch, you know, either Kill Bill film, you know that there's more to the story than what you're seeing, but you feel as if you've seen a completed story, you know, in its own. Whereas I compare the first uh, Dune film to watching those those Hobbit movies where, you know, I sat there for three hours waiting for anything to happen. And then by the end of the movie, they just opened the dragon's eye. And I thought, I'm going to take a hostage. <laughs> so and that is, you know, uh, and it wasn't to that degree, but I was a little disappointed in the first Dune. Not at all in this one. I no. think that that uh, they gave there are some new characters, a lot of uh, uh, returning characters. Uh, all have there's a lot of characters. There's a lot of characters, but period. I mean, I felt like they 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 got more of an opportunity to carve out a memorable character. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Lawrence Pugh, for example, doesn't have much screen time, but she's memorable. And of course, you know, um, Austin Butler doesn't have a great deal of screen time either, but he has lucked into the most interesting yeah, of the characters. Very memorable. If and you I, remember the the uh, David Lynch with he's the he, he's the Sting yes. character. Um, yeah, there were a lot of pictures of the two of them at the at the preview yes. at the uh, premiere for this. Yeah. Yes, interesting. Yeah, he cuts a, quite a figure, and uh, and Florence Pugh, I think they pretty much set her up for a large role next time. You would think so. That's yes. the idea that you get. But yeah, a large cast filled with just fantastic actors. Of course, Timothy Chalamet at the top is Paul. And then uh, Zendaya is Chani. And then you've got Josh Brolin and Javier Bardem and Rebecca Ferguson. You, uh, you mentioned Austin Butler and Florence Pugh. Uh, Dave Bautista, uh, Christopher Walken, uh, Stella, Stellan Skarsgård is back, you know, yeah. in his uh, big behemoth form. And Charlotte Rampling and oh, Leah yeah. Sadu, on and on and oh, on. Yeah. And, yeah, they're all able to make an indelible mark and, and, and a character regardless of their screen time, which, which is a battle in itself yeah. because there are so many characters mm-hmm. and there is a lot of screen time because this one pushes three hours it does it's about two about 245 i think but i really felt it in in part one and i did not feel it in part two i mean right. it, it gets up and moves it does. from the very very beginning it does plus there are... there's so many more worms i was so <laughs> i was so i felt so uh the the, the absence of the worms in part one but yeah. uh, but there's a ton of worms in this one yeah lots more worm action and it is thrilling there's lots of thrills there's lots of action there's there's you know, tension that, that again, mm-hmm. going back to my first point, does feel earned. You, yep. you care more yeah. uh, and really follow what's going on here. And, you, and it, it's interesting to me to trace the, the I guess, the inspirations on both sides because you can see easily the, because you have to remember, a lot of people don't. I mean, the, the radio show I was talking to this morning didn't about that. This novel came before Star Wars, Mad Max. before Mad mm-hmm, Max, mm-hmm. and you could be watching this movie and think, oh, it copied from Star Wars, it copied from Mad Max. No, 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 no. 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 Other way around. Yeah. And you can definitely see how, how that, because it's brought, the vision is brought out so well, you can see how the, uh, the other filmmakers were influenced by that original story. But then you also, man, this movie is so chock full of not only biblical but Shakespearean yeah, references. Yeah, I mean, sure. it mixes them all together. Yeah. I mean, you've really got the conversion of Paul. I mean, Paul has different names. He's basically converted yeah. into a different name, and he's viewed as either a prophet or a false prophet, mm-hmm. depending on who you talk to and mm-hmm. the characters in this movie. So mm-hmm. that that's steeped in biblical, you know, biblical uh, lore. And yeah. then you've got all this. You know, this scheming, this backstabbing for the throne, oh, the yeah. power of the Very throne and the bloodlines. It's so, so, such a deep mix of uh, 
of Shakespearean and biblical. But it's a it's a story that this time, as we say again, both of us got in, invested in. Yeah, and and you know, if you go back to the Lynch version, you know, uh, and the climax of the of the Lynch film. Uh, you know, he had sort of conveniently left out a lot of the sociopolitical context of the novels. And I credit Villeneuve for not leaving that out. I mean, I, I don't think that he beats you about the head with it. But I mean, the end of the film, it's it's fascinating to me in terms of that prophet, false prophet business oh, yeah. and what you're saying. Yeah. And of course, also the idea of I mean, there's just a lot more, I think, political context in this film than than in, uh, you know, than maybe people are expecting. Uh, and I hope that they don't miss it. I hope they don't, too. But you're right. Well, but we also don't want it beat about the face, you know, like 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 you just uh, talked about how mm-hmm. being so heavy handed. That doesn't work either. No. Um, but uh, I hope so, because any type of, you know, I think I think sometimes even after all these years, you still get people complaining about certain movies getting political. And they go, oh, look, look at movies like back in the day, like Star Wars. Are you kidding me? That's right. They're stormtroopers, for God's <laughs> sake. They're called so, the stormtroopers. All sorts of political commentary in, oh, yeah. in all the best science fiction, all the type of genre films. Are, are oh, steep, science fiction are steep, in particular. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, science fiction in particular. So it's definitely here. But uh, but the character building, the world building, yes, the worms, we finally get to see that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, I mean, the, the not only them, they, they save a really good shot of the the maw i guess until <laughs> later but early on you get that that uh, worm riding yeah that's one of the tests that paul has to face mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. cool once they get that you know they can use that to their advantage in battles and such but there's i mean there's a lot of really really solid action and it's just i yeah. mean the, the you yeah. know the cinematography the you know as you would expect from the guy who did the last blade runner movie i mean it looks just stunning but but the drama is absolutely there it's very uh i thought that um Javier Bardem had so much more of an opportunity mm-hmm. to to really show a, a fascinating character this mm-hmm. time. Um, Josh Brolin is funny, you know, in his, yeah, his there fairly is a little limited bit of humor. But, yeah, There's there a is a humor little bit in it yeah. too. And uh, I, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, just a, a really big, really big step up storytelling wise. You're gonna you're gonna see the the type of visuals and cinematography and and shot making that we've come to expect not only from Villeneuve but. His his vision of Dune, but yeah, the storytelling just just much stepped up, I yeah. think, and really can get get you excited for what comes next. Although I think, as you were telling me, he sort of said, "I need a break." <laughs> the third one may not be coming for a while. Yeah, well, from what I understand, again, I've not read the books, nor am I ever going to. By the way, uh, but uh, I believe that that uh, as the books progress, there is a a, a bit of a gap. Mm-hmm. Uh, an age gap, like so, they should come back maybe okay. a little older. Yeah. Okay. But in the meantime, this one is solid. This one is solid. Again, I think it'll satisfy the casual fans who just like a good, you know, science fiction adventure, mm-hmm. and the ones, the real s- serious fans of the book, and and want to see it done justice. I think uh, I think it should satisfy both. And judging by the crowd at the uh, the preview screening, oh, we were there. It's going to make some. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't seen one of those kind of word-of-mouth early screenings uh, sell out in a while, at least around here, and that one was filled oh, to absolutely the back row. Filled, yeah, so this one should do quite well, and uh, and it's good. It's good that it's, it's, uh, it can bring uh, satisfaction to pretty much any type of the, the audience that comes in. I would think so. But just be ready, you know, to about 2.45, uh, but it didn't drag. didn't drag for either of us, no. and that's good. So better storytelling for Dune Part 2 everywhere right now.
Let's go to Netflix next. Half a year into his solo mission on the edge of the solar system, an astronaut concerned with the state of his life back on Earth is helped by an ancient creature he discovers in the bowels of his ship. This is called Spaceman. Six months in isolation. You stop thinking too much. I'm getting interference. I did not intend to frighten you, skinny human. Do not be afraid. I'm losing my mind. You go where I go, and I go where you go, right, Spaceman? These are your thoughts. I am simply finding them with you. Everything that begins must end. I'm not allowing that. You go where I go, and I go where you go. I just want to come home. I'm just going to repeat what I said this morning on TV. This is a movie about how a man will go into deep space to avoid <laughs> therapy. This is such a, an interesting and, and, and strange movie, but I think in the hours that have passed since we saw it, I've kind of liked it a little better. I've started thinking more about it, and it's, it's not great. But it's effective, I think, in its own weird way. Mm -hmm. And it's um, it's uh, the director is Johan Rank, who a lot of people love that Chernobyl yeah, series. Yeah. I was it's one of those TV shows and we get a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, recommendations. Oh, you should really watch this. I know we should. Yeah, I know we should. We don't have time. No, but it we sounds not we would have liked that a lot. So, so yeah. uh, he was behind that. And he's the director here. The writers are Jaroslav uh, Kalfor and Colby Day. And basically, yeah, it's, as you said earlier today, castaway, a little bit of castaway in space. Mm -hmm. And Sandler is a, a Czechoslovakian cosmonaut. Adam Sandler. I'm not sure we mentioned his name. Did, I, did we not say Adam I Sandler? Like Sandler? Oh, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, Adam Sandler. Um, back when, back a, a serious Adam Sandler, mm -hmm. which as we've, it's no secret now that he can be very, very good. Anybody mm -hmm. that has missed any of his serious dramatic roles, uh, he can be a very good actor. And he's good in this part. Mm -hmm. And he's playing a Czechoslovakian a uh, cosmonaut who's on this solo mission. His wife, his pregnant wife, is back home, Carrie Mulligan. And he's having some real troubles here as it gets deep into the into the mission. He's nearing the goal. The goal is apparently there's this weird purple cloud. Gaseous yeah, yeah, that has, particles. Yeah, that has and been. You can see them from Earth. Yeah, That's how big it is. It's been there about, what, they said four years, yeah. I think. And so his mission is to go out there and try to find out what's the deal and collect particles and, and just, you know, how can they deal with this, with this uh, big cloud. And at the same time, the, the South Koreans mm -hmm. also have a, a team a vessel in the that area. are going there. And, mm -hmm. of course, uh, Czech, uh, the Czech team wants to get there first. So anyway, he's, he's having trouble mentally with his mental state as it gets farther into the mission and the fact that he hasn't been able to talk to his pregnant wife for quite some time, any of the messages, the recorded messages. And so he's not doing well, and then all of a sudden he finds this creature is in the ship with him. Very, It looks like a big spider. It's yeah. an arachnid-type thing. Yeah. Very scary-looking, yeah. but it's got the voice, the soothing voice of Paul Dano. Yeah, it's an unusual choice because, because yeah, it, you know, it's, it's like a giant, I mean giant, like four-foot spider. Like, it's such, such a funny idea to me that that's what, because that would scare the shit <laughs> out of anyone. Yeah. And, uh, and then, yeah, Paul Dano, which was a good choice. It was he does a good have choice. very soothing, 
and he calls him skinny human. Yeah. And he was just drawn by his loneliness, mm-hmm. you know. And is he really there, or is it just like Wilson? You know, it's right. it's, it's you know, it's never entirely clear. No, but, it's not. But he, this this sort of ancient being, and and uh, and the skinny human, they kind of you know reminisce about everything that's ever gone on in uh, and Sandler's life, um, as he doesn't really want to remember. So again, he's he's just being forced into therapy. Essentially, is what right. has, happens because he's got some issues with his father. Uh, and the, what his father did uh, back in the day, and uh, and then of course now he has issues with with his wife because uh, she is not taking the back on Earth. She is not taking the absence well, and so there's there's a great deal of emotional tumult. Yes, there is, and and I do think I mean uh, for me, so Sandler's accent is pretty shaky. Um, I'm kind of sorry that either. I'm just kind of sorry that they decided to go with it because Carrie Mulligan just has a Carrie Mulligan accent. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, but he, you know, he plays somebody who's who's clearly Czech, has grown up there. So I suppose, but it's 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 a, a tough little shaky. One. It's a little shaky. I think other than that, though, he does a he does a very fine job. I'm not sure what drew Carrie Mulligan to this project because it's a it's a pretty limited role. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But of course, she's great as always. Of course she always is, is. Yeah. But uh, and then Isabella Isabella Rossellini is mm-hmm. in it as well. Um, but it becomes a pretty much of a two man show mm-hmm. between uh, Adam Sandler and the and the creature yeah. in the Paul Dano's voice as it gets closer and closer to this cloud. So yeah, you definitely got some castaway vibes, a little bit of moon vibes. Yeah. Of course, on a mission like this, you think of two thousand one uh-huh. and going into some sort of unknown yeah. entity and yeah. going right in it to find out what's inside. But uh, it's yeah, it's it's a quirky little thing. Don't expect a lot of action. Mm-hmm. It's just or any laughs or any laughs. It's just a lot of existential. Yeah, therapy um, and talking things out and trying to get to a place where you share your feelings and and share your your life with someone and and, and that just doesn't mean a, a home. You no. share your your existence with someone. To be honest with you, I I think part of my disappointment seems like too strong a word. To honestly, an Adam Sandler drama that's a pretty high bar at this point. Yeah, you know, I mean, he he. Starting from Punch Drunk Love, mm-hmm. I, I mean, like every time, and he has done a handful, uh, you know, between Punch Drunk Love and Uncut Gems, and none of them made very much money, but he was always good, and they were always at least worth a look. And then he did that, I think it was for Netflix, Hustle, yeah. the basketball yeah. movie, very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so, you're exactly right. I, I, so, it's a funny thing. When there's an Adam Sandler comedy, my expectations are pretty low. <laughs> but an Adam Sandler drama, I'm like, yeah. hmm, yeah. I'm intrigued, and so... I mean, I think it was a nice movie. I enjoyed it, you know, but but maybe I was hoping for more. Yeah, but uh, but it's fine. Again, Netflix. It's a perfect Netflix. Yeah, if you have it, sort of for movie. sure, have yeah. Netflix. Yeah. yeah, and that is uh, on Netflix now, called Spaceman. <laughs> Next up is an Oscar-nominated drama. Oscar-nominated um, right now for international feature, a Homeric fairy tale that tells the adventurous journey of two young boys, Sidhu and Musa, who leave Dakar to reach Europe. This is called Io Capitano. <laughs> Yeah, this is the latest from co-writer and director Matteo Garone. Love every single thing he has ever done. Love with all my heart. See anything he makes. Most the ones that first come to mind for most people are Dogman yep. and uh, Gamora. Right. Yeah, and uh, he's been. Oscar nominated before, mm-hmm. um, well deserved, and this one is well deserved too. Although I will tell you, it can be a tough watch yeah. at times. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's these two teenagers, they're cousins, 
and uh, they are in Senegal, and they've been saving their money and making their plans now for quite some time to go and seek out a better life in Europe. And, and the people that they do tell warn them, warn them against it, so many dangers, and Sadhu's mother just outright forbids it mm-hmm. so much that he has to say, oh, I'm just kidding. I'm really kidding. I don't mean it. And then they take off in secret. And uh, through, you know, the trip is going to take them through Libya and through the Sahara Desert till they finally, they want to reach Italy. That is the, uh, that's the, the goal. But to, as the synopsis says there, you kind of feel like it almost should be Greece. I mean, right. this is very much of a Greek fairy tale. Um, but the trip, as you might guess, is not kind, not kind to them at all. You've got robbers and, and shakedown artists, and you've got uh, the threat of prison and torture and all these things to to interrupt the journey and to make them think maybe should they try to turn back? Or are they going to even make this out alive? And it just is one test after another so that specifically Sadhu will not surrender his his moral character his or humanity. his humanity. Yeah. And he becomes this, as as in these fairy tales, these Homeric fairy tales, these, this, the true and just warrior, mm-hmm. worthy, you know, worthy of our admiration. And at the same time, it gives you that, uh, the subtext, which is not overbearing, but you can't miss it, the fact that you're, you're rooting for this refugee. Yeah. And yeah, stories are a lot more effective than just statistics, because when you look at the global refugee crisis, the numbers, the, the numbers are just too large to really even comprehend. Yes, they are. But then when you think that these are the types of stories and so there's empathy in this story. There's sympathy in this story to make you think about what these people are going through, what they'll sacrifice themselves for to, to endure with the, to the, just the hope of having a better life. And they are put through a lot in this journey. Again, not all of it is pretty to watch at all, but it's a very effective drama and it ends on a, a very, it gets to a very, a very hopeful place that you might be able to to imagine when you think of that type of fairy tale where, where a, a, a person earns their our admiration mm-hmm. as a person of true mm-hmm. character. Even this 16-year-old boy who is given eventually throughout this journey responsibilities he does not want, where he is responsible for other people's lives, mm-hmm. you know, women, children, uh, pregnant women. He doesn't want that. Uh, but twists of fate and maybe little acts of human kindness along the way keep his journey going and so he has to do that if he wants to either survive or wants to maybe get to the the destination and get back with his cousin because at at one point in the journey they do get separated and then that becomes part of his journey as well am i satisfied to continue this on my own or will i not stop until i'm reunited with my cousin so there's a lot of tests to his character and uh, it's a very, really, really effective drama as long as, again, you know that it's, uh, it's just, there's some tough stuff to watch. But mm-hmm. totally understand why it's been nominated uh, for Best International Feature because you say Garon's stuff is always, always worth seeing. Yes, it is. As this one is right now. And it's in, in select theaters and maybe, who knows, it gets some hardware. Maybe it'll get uh, a wider release. But it's out there now. Io Capitano. Very good. And one more this week before we talk some Oscars. This is on VOD, a crime horror fantasy, the story of a fake exorcist who is commissioned for the case of a girl who is strongly possessed. This one's called Dr. Chan and the Lost Talisman. Okay. Okay. 
태운다고 없어지는 것이 아니다. 이 말이오. This is a weird one. A lot about it, especially just the description of it. You know, it seems like a very, very common horror trope of, you know, the, the sort of shyster who takes advantage of people uh, and goes to, you know, handle a possession or, or something like that, usually for to televise it for their podcast, for their whatever. And then, of course, they're exposed as being fakes because they finally come across a real possession. And that is what happens here. But what you find out, a couple of things that make this different is one, one is that um, he's been looking for that. Mm-hmm. He has been, that's what his goal has been. He has been trying to find the real thing. And then he's just, rather than just taking people's money, he is a doctor of psychology. And so he's actually sort of implementing strategies so that these people stop thinking that <laughs> their house is haunted, right? So you've got that. So you don't, you don't root against him and his sort of, weird haphazard you know ragtag team of exorcists um even though you know that they are kind of bilking people in a certain way out of their money uh and then he when he does find the the actual possessed it 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 takes on the 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 movie takes on an almost saturday morning live action sort of kids show feel about it the action is i mean it's it it's still sort of violent there's definitely horror here but there, it picks up a very colorful sort of kung fu kind of <laughs> unusual tone about it. Uh-huh. That sort of, and then also, so he becomes Dr. Sean becomes almost like a like a like a wildly understated kind of Indiana Jones type, mm-hmm. you know. And then, uh, but then the rest of his his team takes on an almost Scooby Doo kind of. It's, a, it's an odd mixture of things, uh-huh. but on the whole, I mean, it's very charming and fun. I I enjoyed it. And this is uh, the director is Kim Shung Sik. Uh, hopefully I pronounced that right. But yeah, um, mix of a uh, mishmash of uh, of styles, yes. mishmash of of genres, but it can work in a fun way, right? Especially on VOD, and that's where it is now, and it's available called Doctor Chan and the Lost Talisman. All right, well, a week from Sunday, uh, the Oscars. No. Yes. Wow. They are here, and I'll uh, just run down some of the big categories uh, because as we were talking, we we just got done guesting on, and it should be out by the time this is. It should be out soon. There's a, a real fun podcast that our friends are run. It's called Whiskey Business, mm-hmm. and um, we they, they talk about all sorts of different uh, different topics while they drink whiskey. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've been nice enough to have us on every year for the last several to talk about the Oscars. So yeah. we just got done doing that, and that's a lot of fun. Seek it out if you want to check out that podcast. But uh, we were making our picks, and I think we we all agreed. One of the things we were talking about, as far as because they asked us about this year in movies as opposed to last year. And I think this year, look, you look at all the, the categories, they're just so top heavy with talent. They're all stacked. the they nominees are, are so deserving. Yeah. And in some cases, some people that didn't get nominated have, are very well deserving mm-hmm. as well. There's just so much top heavy stuff, but run through some of the big categories. We think, um, both of these supporting actor categories are pretty well locked. Yeah, it does seem like that. I mean, in particular, uh, Divine Joy Randolph. We think that she's the lockiest of all the locks to win. <laughs> the lockiest. Uh, for supporting actress. And then it does seem pretty clear at this point that Robert Downey Jr. is going to win I think actor, so. supporting actor. Yeah, yeah, I'd be, I'd be surprised. Uh, they both won the SAG the other mm-hmm. night, so mm-hmm. there's another, another indication that it probably will go that way. As far as best... Actor, uh, best actor and actress. We have a little bit of a break on our picks. We for actor, 
you're still going with Killian Murphy. Yes, I am. He would get my vote, but I also think he's going to win. I, he would get my vote as well, although I'm still sticking with, even though um, Killian Murphy did win the SAG the other night, something in my gut is telling me Paul Giamatti is going to win. Um, and- now, I think that that's a tighter race than any of the others. I do think mm-hmm. so, and it would not make me sad for Paul Giamatti to win. He's great. First of all, he's great in the holdovers. He's magnificent. But also, as we have talked about a number of times now coming up to this, he should have two or three Oscars it's, by now. It's amazing. He's one of the absolute greatest actors of his generation. He can do anything. Mm-hmm. I'll see anything he's in. Also, just by the way, he has a podcast called Chinwag, and he and his friend talk about Bigfoot and other cryptids, <laughs> which is bizarre, <laughs> but check it out. Anyway, Why not? It's, it's a delightful podcast, but, but I love him, and it would not make me sad. Although I I think it's going to be Killian Murphy, and I hope it is Killian Murphy. I just feel like right now there's just a lot of love mm-hmm. for the movie, mm-hmm. The Holdovers, yeah. and and for Giamatti's performance. And we already said that we think Divine Joy Randolph is going to win. So yep. something I don't know. Um, you're probably right, but I'm just going with my gut. I'm sure. just going to say that uh, Giamatti's going to win. As far as Best Actress goes, that was I think we both got a big indication the other night at the SAGs because we think it's a two a two woman race between Emma Stone and Lily Gladstone. But Lily won the SAG, mm-hmm. and I think now I'm going to, I think both of us are going with, with Lily Gladstone, who was, trem- they both were tremendous. They both were tremendous. Uh, honestly, I, I mean, she would, so Lily Gladstone would have my vote, as I believe she would have yours, and um, I have for a while thought she was probably going to be the winner, but we, another thing that you and I have talked about uh, that is that those two races, um, Gladstone and, and Stone, and also Murphy and Giamatti, it's 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 these four that four of the most amazing performances ever. Two of them, Gladstone and Killian Murphy, very internal. Very. You, like so much of the performance is just watching what's going on in their eyes and on mm-hmm. their faces. Whereas Giamatti and in particular uh, Emma Stone, very showy in the best way. I don't want that to sound derogatory in any way. They're glorious they performances. They needed to be showy. They, they yeah. did need yeah. to be showy. Uh, so if if that's an easier thing to catch someone's attention. Mm-hmm. And so it wouldn't it wouldn't be a huge surprise to me if voters were like, oh, my God, look how great that is. And this person isn't even doing anything. Yeah. But I hope I'm hoping that I hope to have enough faith in the Oscar voters that they that they recognize not just how great the performance is, but how hard it would be. Yeah. To carry a whole film and, in such an, an internal way, and they both do. And you never know how the voters vote the way they do. But I think one thing that could come into play is the fact that. If it's down to a, a, a literal, you know, a virtual tie, mm-hmm. maybe the fact that Emma Stone just won a few years ago might be, uh, you know, there could be any number of reasons yeah. why somebody votes the way they do because they're both so good. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, I agree. I think uh, Lily's going to win and yeah. she probably would get my vote as well. If, yeah, she if we would were voting. Mine. Although I do. I got to say again, Emma, Emma Stone was, was oh, like a miracle. And, and just incredible. Incredible. So um, I think director, we both think Christopher Nolan yeah. is going to win. I wouldn't say it's a lock, but I think he's he's the favorite yeah. uh, for yeah. sure. And, and that's uh, given the options. Mm-hmm. That's who I would vote for. I am, <laughs> I am. by the way, you can't tell, but I am wearing my I am Knuff sweatshirt right. right now because I would give it to Greta Gerwig all day. See, boy, she but should. she's not in there, and I won't be sad to see um, him win because Nolan, uh, we were talking about this too. He gets a lot of hate. He does, and of course, he doesn't have one yet, and he and he ought to. And and I hope that this is the one that finally gets him and an it's Oscar. A, it's a tremendous directorial, unbelievable, effort. Uh, really is. And in turn, I think we both expect Oppenheimer to win Best Picture. Yes, out we of do. the ten, yeah. and there are strong, str- even at ten. And mm-hmm. I'm glad they got mm-hmm. ten because there are ten solid, 
solid choices oh, here yeah. for Best Picture. But yeah. I think it seems to have the momentum. It's certainly worthy. Yeah. It was one of our, what was our, it was our number three, maybe? Yes, it uh, was. Of the year. I think um, we, uh, we have four great, things. Yeah. Flower Moon, Killers I think. And the then, Flower uh, Moon, yeah. But when and you get to the top like that, yeah. it's just splitting hairs. Well, exactly. You're exactly right. Yeah. And when we were deciding, it was like, you know, I mean, it's. There's such, all yeah. such great, great films. But uh, that's the way we expect it to go. Uh, we'll see. That's going to be on Sunday night, uh, the 10th. Or the Academy Awards, man, it seems like it's 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 almost here. It seems like it it is time, but at the same time, it seems like it kind of creeped up on us. So I, I don't know. Time means nothing. <laughs> time is a construct. Time is a construct. <laughs> but I do know this: it's time after a couple of false starts to get back to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Finally, back in the lobby with the schlocketeer Daniel Baldwin for all the latest news. It's been a couple of weeks, so what's going on? Well, uh, we've got quite a few uh, new releases on the horizon, kind of a mixture of genres. Um, April 12th, we'll see the release of Dark Sky Films' werewolf movie Blackout, which is the latest film from Larry Fessenden. And then the same day, we'll also bring forth the Nicolas Cage creature feature Arcadian. Um, it'll get a theatrical release on April 12th and then hit Shutter later in the year. And then keeping it weird and monstery, also on April 12th will be the Bleecker Street limited theatrical release of the Sundance Faves surreal comedy Sasquatch Sunset, which stars Jesse Eisenberg and Riley Kehoe as a member of a Sasquatch family. That's right. And oh, okay. Ari Aster produced it, and it'll supposedly get a wider release on April 19th. So it's the same directors, though, who did Damsel and... Trying to think of it. Kumiko, yeah. Yeah, Kumiko, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nice. And then moving into May, continuing with 2023's theme of unconventional product biopics, Netflix has set a May 3rd premiere for Unfrosted, the Pop-Tart story. <laughs> <laughs> You're there, George. I am so there. <laughs> <laughs> and then that same day, uh, Neon has set a theatrical release for their horror film, um, Cuckoo, which stars... Hunter Schaefer, Dan Stevens, and Jessica Henwick, and it hails from uh, loose director Tillman Singer, so that might be one to look out for. Mm -hmm. Dan Stevens got a couple of horror movies coming out this year. Yeah, he does. Uh, he's kind of all over the place because he's in the new Godzilla movie and um, the Dracula's Daughter movie. Yeah, yeah, Abigail. And then also on May 3rd uh, will be the theatrical release, courtesy of A24, of Jane Schoenbrunn's latest film, I Saw the TV Glow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've been hearing about that, yeah. Looking forward to that one. Very much. And Netflix set a May 17th premiere for their animated musical comedy, Thelma the Unicorn, which is the latest film from Napoleon Dynamite and Nacho Libre director Jared Hess. Who has so an Oscar-nominated short film um, mm -hmm. among the animated choices yeah. here. Then back to the musical biopics. Uh, there's an Amy Winehouse film called Back to Black hitting theaters on May 17th, courtesy of Universal. And then Lionsgate has set their remake of The Crow for a June 7th theatrical release. Similarly, Sony has moved up the release of Bad Boys 4 by one week to June 7th, so I'm kind of wondering if The Crow ends up moving. Mm. We'll see how that goes. Uh, one movie that was set for that date did move. Um, Ishana Shyamalan's directorial debut, The Watchers, has moved back a week to June 14th. Get oh, out of their way. For our anniversary, George, we can yes, go see that. Yes, perfect. There you go. And then moving on from release dates, a uh, little bit of industry news and some project announcements. Uh, first up, the Hollywood Labor Union's contract with the studios is up for renewal this year. Preliminary negotiations will kick off this coming week. 
and all parties involved have until uh, July 31st to cut a deal. Hopefully they do, or else we could end up spending another summer and fall watching strikes play out. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yep. So fingers crossed that they actually worked this one out after last year. Mm-hmm. And then project announcements. Um, this was announced um, probably about a week and a half ago, but Sam Mendes is going to direct four films about the Beatles, each Beatle getting their own movie with overlapping sequences in each film told from their different perspectives, and all four films will see release in 2027. So that's massively ambitious and risky, kind of. I mean, it's the Beatles, but four movies is yeah. too much. <laughs> well, and hopefully they've got the casting already down, because just go back and watch that scene from Walk Hard, the Dewey, <laughs> the Dewey Cox right. story, and that's you've got right. the Beatles cast. <laughs> you know what? If they just want to use all those guys again, I'm fine. With use them. <laughs> imagine. Oh, yeah. If you only imagine. <laughs> and then lastly, more on our front, um, I've got a double dose of Coen Brothers news for you. First up, Ethan Coen will shoot the second movie in his LGBTQ-themed exploitation trilogy this spring. It's titled Honey, Don't, and it's a PI mystery that will star... Margaret Qualey, Aubrey Plaza, and Chris Evans. Yeah, that's the, the kind of the part two after Drive-Away Dolls, right? Mm-hmm. And there will be a part three eventually, but not immediately, because at the tail end of this year, he and his brother Joe are reuniting to make a horror movie together. Nice. Yeah. Well, glad to have you back. I know it wasn't your fault. It was mine here in the new equipment in the studio, but uh, glad we got it done. And you can always catch up with Daniel on the socials at the Schlucketeer. Thank you. Happy to be back. Thanks for having me. Well, let us know what you think, uh, your own Oscar picks or thoughts on Dune Part 2 or uh, Spaceman or any of the flicks uh, this week. Uh, looking ahead to next week, we get a few more now. Mm-hmm. Everything's kind of stayed out of the way of Dune uh, Part 2 this week. <laughs> but next week, we get the uh, big animated Kung Fu Panda 4. Also imaginary. Also problemista. American Dreamer, very much looking forward to that one. One called Totem. And then Warrior Princess. Okay, that's all next week, but a lot going on this week, so yeah, keep the conversation going. Uh, It's always easy to get us now. We're glad to be back. Hopefully ironed out these technical problems uh, from here on in, but uh, you can always get us uh, easily on Twitter. It's at MadWolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F, also on Facebook and Instagram. It is MadWolfColumbus, oh, and Threads. And Threads. And Threads as well. And the main website with all of our written reviews and our other horror movie-only podcast called Fright Club. That's always there, uh, available at madwolf.com. So uh, keep in touch. Enjoy the movies. Hope your equipment is working well. (laughs) Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. (laughs) And uh, until next time, uh, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. <laughs>